Why don't you have a Grateful Dead tie-dye shirt on or anything like that? I do. Do it's you really? Faded. It's so old. Yeah, look. Here. Here we go. That's cool. What does it say? It, it's a Steal Your Face shirt. Oh, nice. I don't know it's what that means. Do you, Bobby? <laughs> no, I don't know any of that stuff. <laughs> I don't know any of that shit. What? Oh. Yeah. Hey, here's the extent of my culture. So we talked last week about how I went to four KISS concerts in full makeup. This past weekend, I went to a four-string quartet playing only Taylor Swift songs. It's fantastic. Where was it? Uh, it was in, well, I'll just say Southwest Florida. I don't like people to know exactly where I am, but it was at a uh, music and arts center in Southwest Florida. It was, a, it was beautiful. It was a cello, a viola, and two violins just playing Taylor Swift. So chamber Did music. You dress up? What's that? Did you dress, Did I dress up? up Your Swift? glitter? So the funny thing is if I were going by myself, I would have, but uh, my <laughs> wife is with me, so she wouldn't let me do it. But I'll also throw in, you haven't lived unless you've heard. We are never, ever, 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 ever getting back together on first, second violin and viola. That's well, fantastic. Viola. That was that was really something. Welcome back to the Future's Edge podcast. I'm Jim Muriel. As always, brains behind the operation, co-host, executive producer, Bob Aitino. And it's, it's the first one of the month. Is it the first one of the month? Anyway, yeah. did we, we yeah. put them out first, a week later, but for it, us it is. Anyway, the, one of the most valuable ones for me that we have is when Mike Arnold uh, comes on, chief technical strategist for Path Trading Partners. Um, not because The other guys we have are great, and I always have some takeaway. But Mike's special way of looking at markets, I think, is just fantastic, and you've made me money, saved me money. More important to save money. Thank you for coming on, Mike. Thank you for having me again. Hey, Mikey, can we update the NASDAQ? This is something that, uh, Jimmy, if you don't mind, I'd like to, no. to start with that. I want to look at the NASDAQ because the NASDAQ had a fairly significant close uh, a couple weeks ago, and then it snapped back. And again, I like looking at these weekly charts with Mike because of our delay in actually putting these things out after we record them. So uh, are you ready to do that, Mike? Yeah, hold on. Now, hopefully the charts show up on the recording this time. I hope so anyway. Yeah, it's, it's a lot better when the charts show up, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. But we've learned we can do something, and this will be a lot of work for you, Mike. But if for some reason the charts don't show up, you can take screenshots of them and send them, and they can be reinserted later. But it's not the I'll same. I'll do that in my free time. Not it's not. That'd be great. It's not the same as if they're being shown while you're talking about them at least they're up there Our, well you talk about the significant close i mean there was a significant close and personally on a, on a intermediate term system i follow there was a significant sell signal that was triggered back on the 25th now what's so ironic is i've followed this for years i mean it's i didn't fully develop it so i can't release this specific rules but in oh boy 18 years of working with it pretty much 90 percent of the time immediately after it generates a sell signal you get a rally now this is a more substantial <laughs> rally than normal okay. That's awesome. give sort of the rest of the theoretical stats without going into detail obviously you can't uh i mean it's it's literally the intermediate is above 80 percent okay. however 
I've worked on trying to fine tune it to say, okay, since a lot of times you get this rally bounce, I'll call it more of a bounce afterwards. Is there a better entry? It's there's no there's I've not found a specific way to systematically apply it yet. So I just go, well, I'm going to wait for the the count, little counter trend bounce and then look for a a shorter term short signal. Ironically, we haven't had the shorter term short signal again. And today, being Tuesday, November seventh, election day in some places, uh, we closed in the Nasdaq. Well, the futures aren't technically closed. The cash is closed. I'm not expecting the futures to drop that much but if we do close about 1541.25 or 75 sorry uh we have closed above the 62 percent harmonic 62 and a half percent harmonic and i would expect the next key levels the next key levels are about 15575 and then the real magnet price is 15816 i just go roughly around 15800 over the next two to three weeks, uh, also since we've had, I was expecting towards any time after October 15th, as we've sort of, I think I've alluded to that, that's when the hedges generally come off for downside protection from September and October. I start watching for the potential rally signal to hit for the year-end rally. I'm not expecting the year-end rally to continue all the way to December 31st, unless we get some significant changes. However, a bounce can continue. We, uh, uh, let me just go over a couple things. We, I've talked, I don't know if I mentioned percent B buy signals here before. No. Nope. It's based off, percent B is it's a derived indicator from Bollinger Bands. And one of the things that I developed was a short-term indicator. We actually got a, a buy signal against the rotation zone on Monday the 30th, which I announced on YouTube. And then at the end of last week with the NASDAQ and the S&P, and the S&P we've got a weekly buy signal. So we have a couple short-term buy signals. We're going to trigger another follow-through follow buy signal. It looks like today on the close. Does that mean new all-time highs? And I know uh, for all those NASDAQ followers, everybody, Everybody and their brother and possibly sister is calling this a massive cup and handle, which it technically is, but it's got a lot of heavy lifting to do to get to new all-time highs. So am I expecting new all-time highs before year-end? No, but intermediate I'm watching now significantly. Even if we pull back or pause in the next week or so and get a little, I mean, we've, we've launched this thing higher. What is this? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight days straight up. We've got cycles to the top. We're in short-term overbought. We're against a major trend line. So I'm at least watching for a pause slash slight pullback. Key levels for everybody watching is 14,600. Needing a close below 14,600 to start. Is that, is that where you are right now, that line? This is, if you can see my oh. mouse, oh, this yeah. is 46. Okay. It's based off a combination of harmonics and a prior key breakdown zone. So, but it's mostly harmonics. I'd be looking. It's technically fourteen six sixteen. I'd be looking at fourteen six. Hey, real quick, Jim. We've never talked about this before, and I don't think Mike's ever mentioned it on, the, on either of the shows he's been on. But Mike is also uh, 
a hedge fund consultant. And when a hedge fund develops a system, sometimes they call Mike and they ask him to look at it and break it and see what's wrong and see what can be improved. So when he talks about knowing a system for 18 years, that's because he worked with the people that developed it. And even though I've been friends and business partners with Mike for over 20 years now, I think, coming up on 20 years, something like that, um, he won't share those with me. And it drives me crazy. That's, that's loyalty, though, and trust. Yeah. yeah. He's got, he's yeah. got confidentiality, uh, confidentiality agreements, and he's got morals, which drives me crazy. Go me ahead. too. I met some guys like that once. I never understood it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like it. Mor- moral people. <laughs> I thought you said morels. I was going mushroom hunting. <laughs> and he's a king of dad jokes on top of all that. So Very ahead. much so. Uh, so, okay. So remember my scale that, you know, positive five being you're extremely bullish, negative five being you're extremely bearish. Sounds to me like you're uh, bullish with a potential for a pullback. You'll get more bullish if you can buy it off those lows. So right now you're a two, but if it goes down to there, you're a three and a half. Is that correct? If it, okay. If right now I'm about a three and a half to four on bullish because okay. of seasonals and the key, key things. On any pullback, as long as we do not close below 14,600, I will watch for a pullback move and then another push back up. From, I know there's got to be people also that uh, follow or know Elliott Wave. I use a simplified Elliott Wave and I'm not going to get into it. But at the end of this move, at the end of October, we did complete an ABCDE corrective pattern. And if you don't know what that is, do not worry about it. It was just a significant ending pattern. Coming off of that, it's unusual that it would follow with a single leg up and then just turn around and plummet back down. So that's why on any pullback, as long as we don't close below 14,600, I'm watching for a pullback, then another turn higher. And that next turn higher, depending on how that unfolds, would uh, determine my views into year end. But pretty much through Thanksgiving, even if we pull back, I'm watching for uh, at least another push higher. When he mentions seasonals, people should be aware, Jimmy, I know you are, that November is a wildly positive month just in terms of average returns. Not only is it the strongest month in terms of the amount of years that it's positive, but it has the strongest cumulative return of all 12 months of the year. So wow. it's hard to fight November unless something is going drastically wrong. Interesting. And it's funny how this all played out, like October, which is you know, seasonally weak, got pounded. Mm-hmm. And right October 30th, we started, yep. the, started the run. Yep. Really, really and, interesting. Yeah. And uh, we don't, I don't talk about this a lot, at least on, on our, I'll probably bring it in more in future ones if you're going to have me back. But at the end of October, <laughs> On the weekly, we came down to the 50 EMA. We came very close to the 200 simple moving average on the daily. We got to cycle bottoms at the end of October on the weekly and the daily. So on both the weekly and daily chart, we were saying, hey, we're at cyclical bottoms. We've completed key end of wave patterns, and then we got aggressive buy signals. So going into what Bob just said, with uh, you know, November being wildly positive, I had to go. Hey, we're, you know, you keep a stop in place, but you you got to go with. Even though everybody was 
like at the end of October, it's over. See, then two, uh, three days later, everybody's like, party on. And take a look at one of the simplest things that I look at, Mike, the monthly rotation zone on NASDAQ 2. The monthly, uh, there we yeah, go, right into a three-month pullback into the monthly rotation and, zone. And it's a first cross pullback, right? And it's the first pullback into the rotation zone after the cross, uh, which tends to be a fairly nice little signal. It's not, I'm not telling somebody to buy it off this, but it's a nice thing to keep an eye on. It's awesome. What, What's fascinating though is if we close, uh, uh, now I have not done a ton of testing with the, the Bollinger Band on monthlies, mm -hmm. but just glancing at this, and I'll have to look at this more, you know, if, if November does close above October's highs, uh, that would theoretically look like it would be a uh, buy signal on a monthly basis. So... Could stranger things happen and this be a massive cup and handle that takes it to all-time highs, I guess, theoretically? I mean, I, I would not short this market right now without a significant topping pattern. Agreed. Okay, can we go to the S&Ps, too? We can. <laughs> we can. Uh, the key level to for Now, as I said, the S&P looks like today it's going to close in another short-term bullish move. We had the percent B buy back on October 30th. We had the weekly percent B buy. We also had the end of the Elliott wave pattern on the S&Ps too. We don't have the continuation pattern yet for a close on the S&Ps. Why is that? What's different again? It would have to close above about 442. Okay. Four, Good, I mean, sorry, 4442. Four, oh, okay. Because I had my levels forty four twenty, but I'll change it to forty four forty two. Forty four daily forty two. A daily close about that, above that, mm -hmm. would jazz you up, right? Yes, because anywhere between forty three seventy eight and forty four forty two is still technically a rollover zone. So we have not hit the continuation. Now this would be an area depending on. The time frame, you know, if it was a, a, a shorter term trade, I'd be more aggressively raising the stops. A longer term trade, like off the low reversal signal on Monday the 30th, a little looser because we could easily get a pullback. But this is where I'd be raising the stops because this is a potential rollover zone. Does this mean, again, I'm watching for us to slam back down and retest the end of October lows? No. Uh, I am watching there for a for some kind of pause slash pullback, and then watching for a continuation buy signal, some kind of pullback, and then some kind of market rotation back up, and then if we close below that forty four, forty five, forty four, forty six, let me see right here, I can't uh, forty four, forty two, sorry, forty four, forty two area, then I will continue on with the next targets being 46, 4,500, and 4,570. And the line in the sand so far, and this can change, but the line in the sand so far is roughly about 4,230. We close below 42.30 on a daily basis. I'll be watching for a retest of the lows then. And then we've actually had potentially a failure in a V-shaped reversal. Other than that, going to watch for that pullback and another push higher. Do you have any of off the top of your head, 
ideas, Mike, how often V-shaped reversals fail or when they do fail, how dramatic they can be, or you haven't looked at that at all? V-shaped reversal, you know what distorted it? I used to have great stats on it. And you know what threw everything out the window? What, the pandemic? Uh, you know, helicopter money, 0% interest uh, rates, keeping stuff yeah, pegged yeah, yeah. because yeah, actually yeah, yeah. it skewed everything to where so many reversals became V-shaped of because of the, essentially the Fed put. Uh, yes, yeah, so of course. So all recoveries now are V-shaped because our markets are dictated to us by availability of helicopter money. Right. Yeah, I mean, nice. that, the Fed's... I believe sort of trying to change that. So they're somewhat less V-shaped, but this, I mean, this was a typical, uh, just a look at it. I mean, it's, it's a rip roaring good time. Eight days straight up. Yeah. It literally looks just like by November, doesn't it, Jimmy? I mean, you look at yeah, this. For sure. Like, we had three but, week months and it's like, okay, November's here. We can buy it. Right. But you just, you mentioned the fed too. And yeah. I don't know if you saw that piece. I just, I, just I wrote something down on the train. I did but I, I do believe that those shitty numbers last week in the form of ISM, ADP, and then the non-farm number, I can't believe I just did three like this after 35 years on a trading floor. This and is three. Are, this is three. This is nothing. right? <laughs> but um, um, I think that it did change. Like, I think the fundamental story, and again, for you guys who listen to us, we don't need that much of a fundamental story. Bobby and I like yeah. to use it to buttress our argument. But the fundamental story was that the Fed is becoming slightly easier. You know, they don't say it, but the market says now, you know, 100 basis points of easing in 2024, up from 45 just at the beginning of last week. So, yes, it's, it's um, technical analysis wins, but it's interesting to me that it's November, it's the Fed expectations, and, uh, you know, you see what you get. Now, one of the things you can be sure of now is that the Fed is either done or just about done. I mean, they're basically done. Yeah, but the interesting thing that I, I saw develop today, and, and I haven't updated it, so it could be better, it could be worse. I could probably do it really quick, but I don't really feel that motivated, is the twos, tens inversion is at the deepest it's been. So the most inverted on a settlement basis, if it settles right here, which I have it at negative 34, since October 17th. Yeah. So weeks. it's gone in the complete wrong direction after settling as low as negative 15, negative 13. Settled at negative 13 on the 24th of October. Yeah. So, I mean, it's going in the wrong direction, which has got to sort of support the weakened economy theory, right? I mean, that everybody well, sure. finally believes the economy is weakening. Can you see where yeah. it is now, Mikey? It's roughly about minus, based off, and I'm going off the micro futures, but it's roughly basis, minus 29 basis points. Yeah. All right, so you have, but you have some targets there. So what do you have there since we have it up? Oh, well, see, what's fascinating is we actually triggered, if you, if we actually triggered a major, and I've been tracking this because they've been working really well. Uh, we actually triggered a massive double bottom pattern back in October 16th. So overall, this is again into the steepening, the bear steepening thing should continue, taking us above zero easily. However, right now, we actually triggered a double top pattern. So I'm watching for pullbacks to about minus 34 basis points, minus 38 basis points, and potentially even minus 43 basis points. But I'm really focused on about minus 38 and minus 34 basis points to complete that uh, the 
pullback pattern before at least the steepening could resume. There's no signal to have that steepening resume in the short term, but in the long term, it would. Now, the <laughs> only thing, what's fascinating, the only thing that would invalidate that would be a close below minus 70 basis points. So unless wow. something drastically happens, yeah. we are we have now committed on a longer term basis, and you can really see it on this monthly chart. Look at see you can see I don't have all the targets up here, but you see these two bottoms. Yeah. Reversing this move triggered also on the monthly. So this is just a pullback, even you know, to that minus 38 basis points is just a pullback to a the prior uh key support area even a pullback to technically 47 on a monthly basis would just be a pullback within to that valid window that we watch for pullbacks on doubles and then the resumption so again this could this we could theoretically rally through year end it, it might not disrupt the bear steepening in the longer term hey jimmy if someone were to ask you like if a uh... You know, someone reached out to you on Twitter and said, hey, I, I, I want to trade this. I've got a futures account. Is there a way you'd tell them to do it or do you need to look at it and kind of research it more? They say, no, I want to trade the twos, tens going positive. Okay, so, you know, the, the CME, it's historically, for anyone, that's a great question. Historically, what we would do is trade the two-year futures contract and the 10-year futures contract. But to do that, you need to... Um, ratio it right. different size contracts and right. you have to ratio it to take out the volatility of the 10-year compared to the two-year so it becomes a strictly yield curve trade and not directional now the, the with these micro contracts they're all adjusted for that so you could use the you could uh, buy this uh the 10-year micro treasury yield contract and sell the two-year treasury yield micro contract and trades yield based but they also have a, an a contract now that's both of them together, one-to-one, -one, and it gives you positions in each, so you can work your way out of it, either one. And they are, I won't call them wildly liquid, but they're liquid enough for retail, and it's a pretty good trade. I actually was looking at it, because we had Nancy Davis on two weeks ago, Bobby remembers, right. on, our, on this podcast, and she was talking about the eventuality of the yield curve becoming positive again, and I believe in that, I agree with that. And if your pockets are relatively deep, it's not a bad trade as it pulls back to get into that. And that's the way I may do it. I may do that two-year versus 10-year micro-yield contract CME. And again, CME is not giving us money, which they should be giving us money because we do yeah, promote their products. Yeah, and actually, it's funny, Mike, from this perspective, like if you look at those micros, or I'm sorry, those minis, Jimmy, when you're talking about your pockets being relatively deep, they don't even need to be that deep, right? Are they minis or micros? Micros. These are okay, micros. So they don't even need to be that deep. Yeah, the move from 30, negative 30 to negative 70, if it goes against you, per one lot is 400 bucks. So, you know yeah, what I mean? They so don't even need to be that deep. And yeah. this is now, in my opinion, so Mike has corrected me over the last 15, 20 years on getting in trades at the wrong time. For me, this is getting close to the right time to do this particular trade, to take it back to positive. And even if they're not that liquid, you're not getting in this thing at, you know, Mike said it's about negative 29 right now. So you're not getting into it at like negative 30 and putting your stop at negative 28, you're not doing that. No. You're talking about a negative third, I'm sorry, negative 38. You're not, you're getting long at negative 30, you're putting your stop at negative 72, and then you're looking for this thing to go to positive 100 or something. Yeah, and you and you ignore it because it's going to take- there on it, it's not Yeah, that it's going to take deal. time. That's the beauty of the micros. You can still sleep Sunday night. By the way, can I interject 
a, a little bit of a fundable, fundamental analysis and why the pullback in the 10 years has been so wild in, yield, in a yield basis. Yeah. Um, you guys saw the refunding announcement last week, right? So on October 11th, and this is not for you guys because I know you know it, we tried to auction 10-year and we tried to auction 30-year and it went crappy. It was a sloppy auction. Um, the appetite for U.S. 30 years was not as big as we'd hoped it was. It seems like a small deal. I personally think it's definitely a medium-sized deal. So anyway, then we have the refunding announcement last week and Janet Yellen actually is conspicuously light in long-end issuance. Um, to me, that means she's scared to sell too many long-end bonds. So all of a sudden, everybody who was short the shit out of the 10-year and the 30-year, now I'm talking about bond prices, all of a sudden had to buy them all back. So that's why we took 10-year from 5% down to 4.6% like that. And that's one of the reasons that we've seen a little bit more of the inversion than we thought we would. Does that make sense? Yeah. So as soon would, as that's that over. Make, that would make sense for Mike's like pullback, yeah. certainly not eliminating the the likelihood of it steepening to normal let's call it steepening to normal right yeah i like so. that yeah we've for you guys who are just tuning in bobby and i have been trying to figure out what the hell we're supposed to call a return to normal because the <laughs> curve itself is actually flattening back to zero but we call it a steepener when it's forget it forget the it, whole was, thing. Ne it was negatively steep and now right. it's negatively more flat and then it's going to be positively flat, hopefully going to positively steep. And in about a half hour, I'm going to have a stiff drink and try to think about all that and see if I can figure it out. I think that's the only way you're going to figure that out because... <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> so if you guys are confused listening, that's perfectly normal. Yeah. Expect that okay. to keep up. What do you got here, Mikey? Oh, that's... Uh, just by the way, before... I definitely want to do crude. You know, crude's moving a lot and gold's... Yeah. Well, gold's interesting, but crude's moving a lot. But what else do you guys want to do is fine with me. Well, why don't we jump to crude and gold and then figure out what's next? Is that okay with you, Bob? Yeah, of course. Good. Hey, hey, I have a question. Yeah. Weren't we supposed to start? I, I don't know. You guys follow the fundamentals. I just know 79 was the magic uh, strategic petroleum reserve. Uh, number. And no talk oh. about it. Looked all over Twitter for people talking about it. Yeah. Isn't this the level? Yeah. yeah. I yeah, actually because a... I was watching for some kind of support there, and I had a key harmonics even down at seventy eight, uh, and the flat two hundred, and we just sliced through that like uh like nothing, yeah, like nothing. And today was the lowest close on a uh on since let's see the lowest close yeah. since wow end of July July Friday July twenty first. Is that slow? Yeah. yeah, Friday, July 21st. So this is the lowest close since Friday, July 21st. Are we below uh, the 200 there? Is that the 200 day? Yeah, we got the 200 right here. So blew through again, it. slice through like butter. What, what are we supposed to do with it? Well, <laughs> I wasn't expecting it to go here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, technical analysis is, is not, is, it's an art as much as it is a science. No, right? I, I mean, I... I, this is live on the fly. I just want to look at some ne the next key levels. I'm actually going to look at this as a a, a very slow. I just want to see if we have any uh, key. You know, when I can't operate a mouse anymore, you know it's one of those days. Time to retire. It's time to retire. Yeah. There we go. Uh, there. Uh, could I announce my retirement? <laughs> 
Well, my wife retired two months ago. Just a side note. She's bugging the shit out of me. She texts me like three <laughs> times a day. Hey, do you want me to pick this stuff for you? Hey, do you want me to do this for you? I know she would never watch a podcast that I do, and she's lovely and wonderful. But she's bugging the shit out of me. But anyway. You know she's going to watch this one. You know it. <laughs> yeah. She picks one. Right? Especially when I reach out to her and tell her to watch it. <laughs> right. Um, is it is it accurate to say, I was just thinking about this the other day. To me, technical analysis is like a weather forecast. It's really what it is. So like, look, these clouds are rolling in and they should mean this. It could change. The jet stream could shift. But this is what we're predicting, although it could be completely wrong. Well, That's isn't that why now you have, they say there's a percent. They don't say tomorrow's, I mean, sometimes there's a 100% chance of rain or snow or this or that. But generally, oh, yeah, isn't it everything's in a range? There's an 80% yeah. chance of rain or yeah. 77% chance. Yeah. They don't go, it's absolutely, you know, whenever they call for rain, it's guaranteed it's going to rain every day. I got to tell you, we, we have a, uh, a couple friends, right? So we're friends with the husband and wife, right? You guys all know what that is. So <laughs> one day they're down here visiting us. And one day the, the wife looks at her phone and she goes, a uh, lot of rain today. I go, really? I thought it said a 30% chance rain. And she goes, well, yeah, 30% chance of all the rain that can fall is a lot of rain. She literally thought it meant 30% of all the possible rain that could fall is going to fall today. And oh, well, then her husband is not letting it go. Like that was three years ago. And every once in a while, he calls me up and he goes, You believe 70% of all the rain that's possibly, that could possibly fall in Chicago is going to fall today? Said, hey, that's a lot of rain. <laughs> it's time to build the ark. <laughs> yes, outstanding. Out. Standing. So if you ever see a hundred percent chance of rain, you're all going to oh, shit. That's yeah. We're, build a boat. It's all, all good. We're, we're all gone tomorrow. That's one of my favorite things I've ever heard in my entire life. Anyway. All right. Next key target area is about 75, uh, 40 to about 76, 40. That's the next key area I'm watching for support. If we close below 7540, I'll watch for the bigger pullback to about 73 to 7180. Uh, so how about on the Jim's Mike Arnold scale, is this a negative two? So negative five being the most bearish? Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is about a negative two. Because Good. why we're coming into a major, major support base from the fundamental aspect we have uh, anything could light up still in the Middle East and, and be a surprise upside. Sure. So would I be aggressively short this market? No, I'd be watching for still uh, intermediate to longer term buy potential signals at some of these key levels. Could they, are they going to re refill the SPR? I mean, they, are they, are they going to come out? Well, now our new price is uh, 69. I mean, could easily. That's what they did last time, but I don't know how many times you can ring that bell. Well, uh, in my again, then they're not going to refill it. They're not going to refill it at all. Yeah, yeah I know. I'm going to throw out some fundamental stuff here if I could. Starting Good. off, over, over the last 13 sessions, 10 have been lower. But the interesting part, when you look at estimated volume on the futures contract, there's only really two outsized days on those down days. Now, one of them's today, but today wasn't the worst. Uh, the or wasn't the most volume, I should say. The most was November 3rd. And the rest of it, it's like the updates have comparable volume and in some cases even more volume, which I find interesting. So that to me tells me it's more 
liquidation than it is short positions. Um, I, I don't have any factual basis behind that. That's just 30 years of doing this. It just tells me that's <laughs> likely what that is. Number one. Number two, China's uh, trade data, okay? Their trade figures were about 21 billion lower than last month and almost 30 billion lower than expectations. So their crude oil demand is in doubt in the short term because their economic numbers based on the trade numbers specifically uh, just continue to disappoint. Another thing, Russia, as did OPEC, confirmed over the weekend that they were gonna extend their 300,000 barrel a day production cuts, but Russia's exports are at about a four month high. So, so they're lying their ass off, right? Theoretically, we don't know reliably how much they use domestically. We don't know. But if they're exporting that much, it could mean A, their domestic demand is down and they're just trying to sell because they have a war to fund, or B, they're pumping a hell of a lot more. Either way, their crude oil's on the market into an area of weaker demand. Number three, weakest seasonal demand period of the year. And lastly, U.S. refineries are expected to drop their um, refiner utilization, the, the amount of refineries, the refineries is being used. Second and third quarter, it was 95, which is basically considered full utilization. It's basically full capacity when it's at 95, because there's okay. always a poor part of a refinery needs fixing or ma maintaining or something. Uh, they've been operating in that 92 to 95 range for most of the second and third quarter. They're expected to drop down to 90, 91% which means they're seeing less demand for gasoline and diesel uh, on the Is that ground. Domestically? domestically? Domestically. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of this, and again, when you go back to those PMI numbers you pointed out, Jimmy, it makes sense. It fits that they're going, oh, yeah. you know what? There's less diesel demand because manufacturing is a big point of diesel demand and all that stuff. So these drops in prices where longs are liquidating make sense. But I would agree with Mike that if you're looking for further drops, um, you might want to hold off because I don't think the signs are there fundamentally yet. I think we're establishing a new lower range, and that new lower range could be right within the old lower range and not necessarily a dramatic drop off. Yeah, and then again, if we get that close below, you know, that 7540 area, I'm actually watching separate we we're getting to oversold and site some cycle bottoms so we could easily get a bounce coming in here but it would be a bounce into major uh resistance now so i will then watch for another rollover play and we could easily tackle we've talked about the simple 200 and crude before remember that was the key thing that as long as we did not get that close below it i know we touched on this back in shows over the summer which this is the weekly chart on the weekly 200. We have not closed below it since, well, uh, we, the last, we closed above it back on February in 21, and we have not closed below it since. We've come close, but not closed below it. But if we take out that 7440, I am looking for us to retest that probably 200 area down at 70 bucks, unless something, again, blows up in the Middle East or, uh, this, this is what I was about to say. If you trade these things, use options, define your risk, don't bet at all, because any moment, you, you guys would both agree that the headline risk is to the upside after yes. all this pullback. 
Okay, so Correct. all of a sudden, yeah, you're going to be like, okay, I'm short it because it's going lower. There's going to be something that blows up in the Middle East, and it's going to be 12 bucks higher, and you're going to be screwed. So define yep. your risk there. That's my public service announcement for the day. Bulls make money. Bears make money. Pigs get slaughtered. Repeat that. Tattoo it on your forehead. Yeah, the risk is that's where you wake up the next day and go, why is crude $25 oh, higher? Right, exactly. And it's happened before. We've all seen it happen before. And yes. to that point, um, a lot of the news headlines you're seeing are Iran-backed militants. Iran-related groups are doing this. They're doing that, right? Um, groups associated with the Iranian regime are doing this. No one's pointing to Iran. And it's going to be Iran that causes or theoretically is the first move in a wider conflict. Also, Iran provides about 3 million barrels a day, up from below a million in 2019. So um, that's where you're going to see it. And the fact that these headlines are starting to drip, drab around, I suspect that's going to happen, maybe come winter, maybe come beginning of the summer driving season. But it's we're not close at this point. So but you're right. The upside is where there's going to be a shock move. And to, Congressman Tim Burchett was on uh, Maria Bartiromo just before me this morning. I don't know if you saw his piece because she mentioned Iran. And he said, we are always this close to conflict with Iran at some level. He said, he basically was saying, they are not our friend. Um, right. I thought it was some pretty strong language to use. And also, he's from Tennessee, and he said dab gummit or dab gummit or whatever that expression is five times. You know how many times is the right amount of times to say dab gummit in a TV interview? <laughs> no times. Zero times. I felt like sending him a message going, what, what the hell's the matter with you? Yeah, but anyway. Yeah. Dab gummit? Dab gummit. Is it dab gummit or dab gummit? Howdy, what is even the expression? Oh. Yeah, good. Yeah, we're not we're not rednecks. Sorry to the people who are watching the show who are rednecks. We love rednecks. We're just not rednecks ourselves. Let's head back to Tennessee, Jed. <laughs> okay, Jed. I had to get a dead reference in there. Come on. Oh, oh, oh I didn't even get Tennessee it at first. Jed. Of Tennessee course, I love Jed. that. Don't yeah. know Tennessee Jed. I do, oh. and I love it. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> okay, let's can we move to gold? Yeah, we are moving to gold because of all right, remember last time I said gold normally doesn't make a V-shaped reversal? Man, it did. <laughs> so far. 30% <laughs> chance it'll rain. Yeah. Yeah, that's why you don't say always. And yep. you don't <laughs> uh, I mean, there are some signals here for logs. We're finally getting at least a pause slash pullback trade, which could make it not a V-shaped reversal. This is another one. I, based off the strength that this came off the bottom, based off of, again, Elliott Wave and a lot of other key longer-term things I follow, I was watching for a significant buy pattern, did not expect it to just a rocket that quickly higher, but we have triggered a minor uh, pullback level. I shouldn't, I will not say short, because this is another one I'd be watching for pullbacks to key levels. I would not trying to be eking out profits from a short position unless it was very aggressive and to your end, Jim, with options with defined risk, because I think the longer term, this is just forming a more significant bottom. That's why I would not be looking for shorts. And if you look at the higher time frame chart, I mean, these weekly bars just uh, really moved up. We are against some key resistance, but we 
closed on a weekly and daily basis above the continuation levels. So we should, we should on the next big push up, uh, tackle a 2050 area. That's what I'm watching for. As long as we do not close back below uh, 1897. 1897 changes things, and it would have to not only get below a key harmonic area, it would also be breaking below a prior major support area, all the relevant moving averages, and uh, that would be the only thing that would make me watch for a retest of the lows from early October. Other than that, this kind of pullback, I am looking for potential buy reversal signals. This is one of those times where Mike would have corrected me if I called him, so I didn't call him. I actually ran out and bought more physical at a local dealer when I saw this pullback. If you look, and this is not a signal of any sort, this is something I always like to see. Look at all the long wicks off the lows in the last, say, week and a half, two I weeks. just noticed those, yep. Yeah, yep. There's, there's just, again, that's not a buy signal at all. That is not even a technical signal. But it does show you that there's people that are buying dips. And I always like when dips are being bought. And I liked where this dip happened based off of the sort of vanilla support um, at around like the August 30th highs and the September 9th highs. This kind of vanilla support right there. All right, that one and then the one to the right. And I just, I was watching this pullback and I had about an hour and a half. So I went and got a haircut and bought a couple of gold coins because I just liked what was that. Um, uh, what did they charge you above spot? Do you remember? Uh, they actually charged me $10 above at this place. Okay. They, so the, are they, is there bid spot or no? No, they, they, they buy and sell above spot. They, they oh, sell. Yeah, to, that's what I mean. Cause last time I went to buy, they were going to, if I was selling, because I had some, but I was going to accumulate more, they were going to pay me above spot. Yeah. But I was going to have to, to buy considerably well, above spot, like 20 bucks. People, people hardly ever know is if you weigh your one ounce gold coins or more than an ounce, and most of the people you're selling it to, they're melting it. They're not saving them as coins. They're making them into gold bars. And if you weigh a coin, it's somewhere around like 1.2 ounces, as, and you get, but you get an ounce price plus couple bucks interesting so yeah okay where are we at uh just in case people are watching if we do start breaking significantly below uh this pullback now the major supports uh, in about 1946 to 1950 in uh gold right now so i'd be watching for a possible continuation pullback if we do get that far not saying we will get that far because, again, anything can happen in this, and I'm expecting another major push higher, but that's the next key area I'm watching. Understood. What do you want next? You want some names or no? Me? Robert? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah actually, if it's okay, Mike, can we look at sure. uh, Palo Alto Networks? And then I want to look at two materials companies. And then sure, I'm just done. give me the symbols. By the way, one of my old oldest childhood friends is the – President of uh, Palo Alto Networks. Really? Yeah. P-A-N-W, Mike? Yep. P-A-N-W. Uh, so what, time what I'm pointing out here is two companies that I like for the medium term, medium to long term. So for while Mike's looking at this chart, for the medium to long term for me, you're probably talking about six months to five years, as strange as that sounds. Um, Palo Alto Networks for me, yeah, 
Valhalla Networks for me. Um, if I can find a good place to buy it, it's probably a much longer term one. So we'll talk three years on it. But um, the two materials companies are for the next like six to 12 months. Is what I'm looking Father, at. What do you like about Palo Alto Networks? I just really like um, cybersecurity companies. Oh, okay. Yeah. For the sort of longer term, because I just think that's going to be where everything happens going forward. And you're, you're looking at Palo Alto Network, FireEye. These are some of the bigger ones. Um, but I've always liked Palo Alto Networks. I feel like they're better capitalized than most of the other ones. Probably Got means it. they're lower volatility as well. They're definitely higher priced. Understood. I mean, we're in a pullback channel pattern right now. The key line in the sand, not only from past price action, but uh, the key harmonic is rough. Just go off of 225. As long as you don't close below 225, you can continue to watch for bullish patterns uh, for any buy setups. If you close below 225, not only have you closed below the harmonic, uh, you have a major gap left behind from earnings in August. Which and also if you close below that harmonic, I funny enough, I just saw this. Yeah. You had the gap breakaway on uh Friday the 18th to Monday, based off earnings. Yeah. The target when we close, the major target when we close below the 62 and a half is the 87 and a half. The 87 and a half, and this is on a daily basis, actually aligns perfectly with that gap filling. So, and if you look at the 62 so and a half, that was the low. So can I buy call spreads and sell the 87 puts? <laughs> That's what we're talking about. 80. Uh, you could sell the 87 puts, yeah. yeah. And try to finance something with it. But, you know, you break. See, you break that 62.5. If you close below that 62.5, we're roughly, it's the same. You see, the, the low close on this, on the pullback, was, mm -hmm. what was it? Uh, 226.79, 226.53 was the low close, which is right in front of 225.44. So if you close below that 225.44 area, you have a new low close and you've triggered a harmonic pattern with the probability saying we're going to go back to that 210 area. So which closes thanks. the gap, right? Yeah, and close the gap and return below potentially the 200 on the weekly and potentially return to the area of the 50 on the weekly uh, to 200 on the daily, the 50 on the weekly. So I would not be bullish in the short term if that happens. Okay. Other than that, cool. it's, I don't have a great bullish setup right now. I roughly be, we don't have a double bottom here. We have a channeling pattern. And even if it can eke out a close above 250, 252 again, it would only be for a retest of the highs. Would I be looking mm. here to build a long-term position? Anything here would be a shorter-term trade with with potential, hey, you got technology still sort of running in the NASDAQ. But if, if the NASDAQ rolls over once, I believe it will, and the rally will peter out at some point before your end, I'd be watching for a pullback and then it to really establish a much more solid lower base. I think anything for your your longer term time frames, I think you're taking a lot your risk to reward is off. For your shorter term time frames, you can do it with tighter stops. Mm -hmm. Cool. Makes sense. A lot of big help. Let's look at applied materials, which is uh AMAT. AMAT. Yeah. There we go. 
I'm certainly familiar with the company, but just a quick overview. What do they do again? It's a basic materials company. So it's, yeah. it's industrials essentially. Right. And yeah. what I, you know, what I like about this is I'm a believer that at some point and then say next six to 12 months, the fed's going to blink. Right. Which I think a lot of people think. Yep. Me too. And if you're looking at the kind of stocks that outperform basic materials outperform, um, as inflation is reignited. And I think it's a good, I, there's two of those I want to look at. I want to look at applied materials and I want to look at EOG resources. EOG resources is much more like mining types of materials, but they're both basic material stocks. The key is, so we had a, a little dice, uh, uh, I'll call it a sloppy double bottom pattern off the 200, which is why you watch the 200 simple on the daily. Uh, finished its targets, and now the next key close you need to watch for is about 146 area. Above 146, you could easily see a, my next target would be 152, and you have a gap left behind between September 6th and September 7th. So that's the next major bullish imp impulse. Anything between 143 and of that 146 area is a potential short-term rollover zone, right? Would not be chasing it higher unless it can manage that close above 146. Mm -hmm. I'd be watching for some kind of pullback and then a resumption trade because you have cycles at the top on the daily and on the weekly. You've at least captured it. Look at that to the 50 exponential on the weekly. Uh, you're still in a major against a major resistance area, so it's got some proving to do. But I'd be willing to look for continuation trades on any pullback move in this. That's what I'd be looking for, as long as you don't get a significant close back below about 135. If you start closing below 135, then we could retest that 129, 130 area. But as long as 135 holds, again, look for a short-term buy buy signals or look to possibly do some accumulation in there. Mike, I have a question for you. Is the 50-day moving average on the weekly exactly the same as the 250-day moving average on the daily? Are they 100% the same? Uh, are you, and the exponential? Well, either one, simple or exponential. I mean, is that just the way it's figured? If you're having yes. a weekly chart, it would seem to me that it would be the weekly times five because the daily. It technically doesn't work out that way on an exponential because the it's close, but because okay. of the exponential gives weighting to the gives extra weighting to the most recent price action. Your dailies okay. and weeklies are going to deviate a little because of the Got number it. of price points, but Makes you're going to be in the same zone. Okay, good, good. I probably got too technical there. It's no, it's, no, I like it. Oh, by the way, oh, and another question too. So, looking at the the second chart, the applied materials versus Palo Alto, this is a lot closer to an entry point in your mind than the other one was. Correct. This, uh, I, I mean, I'd be looking more aggressively. And Bob's talked about even the monthly chart before. He brought that up with the rotation zone, and this is something you're going to want to look at for especially as longer term time frame if inflation reignites. And look, it came back right. two months into that rotation zone after first cross in April. So this could easily break out 
And then if it doesn't close above below those key levels, and then the next major right. targets, why is that slightly off? But the next major targets would be if this does break out, and this is why this could turn into a runner possibly sometime next next year. Uh that's more than targets based off the weekly, but it's gonna be the same. It just doesn't show up. Uh, the next major targets. One, if we get above the highs at 167, we have 179 and 191. So this is definitely something I'd be looking for a longer-term play in is if, if inflation reignites. Could have just said yes, but I know I like <laughs> yes. your answer. Yes. <laughs> okay, good. All right. Yeah. The last one, if we have time for it, is EOG, which interesting and left. It's, it's an oil and gas play. It used to be known as. You guys will recognize this, Enron Oil and Gas. That's what, ah. EOG, that's what EOG stands for. This yeah, is the chart that I like the least. Um, and that's why, honestly, I might be interested in, in buying one and buying put spreads on the other. Well, this one, we'll just go through the, uh, I, I love technical analysis. Can I just say that? So <laughs> do I. Uh, I'm doing this one on the fly because I don't normally look at this one, but look, we're in a flat 200 simple. We'll stress the 200 test better with the simple, not the exponential. Uh, and that's because the front weighting, as I talked about with the exponential skews things based off the moving averages on the really long-term ones. If people are wondering the why behind it, but 121, look at this 50% harmonic from the run-ups in the june lows to the highs and uh, the october highs we've come back to that flat 200 which was resistance in july support broke below it temporarily and then bounced back above but did not get below that if if somebody wants to learn something one thing from this watch those 62 and a half percent levels because if this thing closes below 117.76 that's where I'd look to potentially initiate a short on EOG resources. It could be a put spread, uh, whether it be credit or debit, doesn't matter. That depends on the implied volatility at that time. But 117.76, or you could do a targeted butterfly or condor down below. But uh, as long as that 117.76 level holds, you know, it's it's trying to keep a pretty solid base. It's against major major support that it broke temporarily. It broke temporarily for uh, three days, but then it bounced back above. But that support would be that 62 and a half. And also you can see here, you get a close below that 62 and a half. This is the weekly chart. We're into a clear path move. Uh, we then that's where we could easily retest that 106 110 levels other than that i would not be shorting until that happened and i'd be looking we don't have any strong reversal buy signals yet other than it's trading against support which technically i do not treat trading against support as a buy signal because that can evaporate before you know sure. just because it's trading against support does not mean it has to hold support but if we were doing the CNBC thing where you have to make a trade, which is such bullshit, yeah. you would prefer if I, if you had to make a small trader, you'd prefer to be long 
with a stop below that level, but not with any conviction. Is that correct? If, yes. If you were said, I have to make a trade, otherwise I can never show up on the Futures Edge podcast again. Right, no. Which, by the way, we're not saying that at all. I'm just, I'm just trying to break it down into confidence levels. So this is a one. Uh, this is a, half. A, a one. No, th- I could go with a one on this. Why? Because you're still holding support, but I know definitively that- I'd be looking at this 120, 150 area to 122 to buy somewhere in there. And my stop would be 117.75 yeah. on a closing basis. There, that right. would be my trade. And then, I, and then my initial stop raise, because we love targets. So my initial stop raise, if it breaks above today's high, let me just give that as people can sort of follow along with this 124.50, we get above there on a closing basis. My next stop raise would be for the gap fill, one twenty six. No, you mean you mean take profit? No, I mean stop raise. Oh, for a short. For a sh- no, no, no. For, stop I'm saying raise. I'm going long here. Yeah. Oh, risk, risk reduction, Jimmy. Raising the stop. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, got you. Yeah, right. I'm going okay. long. Sorry about I, that, I can't go short until we get the close below one seventeen seventy six. That's what I thought. So, I was looking yeah. at the exact same way, right? If this I is can't the go CNBC short there, I have to go long it, right. against support. If, had, if the support yeah. breaks down a bit, I have to stay long. And this is the gun to the head trade. Those mm-hmm. are That's my next target. And then above there, this is what's my next uh, target area. And I then look at the shorter term price action to determine the strength of the move. But my next target area would be between 129 and 131 because that would be the rollover zone. And that's where now before, if you imagine this before it broke down, see this before the last couple of days, that would be Monday the 6th, Tuesday the 7th. If I was using these retracements and the harmonics, look where it spiked up in. It spiked between the 50 and the 62 and a half and then closed down between the 50 and the 62 and a half is a reversal zone. The potential reversal zone. Let me close. Right. So I'm going to lower that level now. Why would I be then looking at the strength between 129 and 131? Because that's the next potential reversal zone where I get more aggressive. And or if it was sort of a weaker move petering out here, I would take something off the table and then more aggressively raise the stop because we could be making lower highs and lower lows retest this 200 area and then break it so i'm not going to get greedy on this trade not that it's a not that there's a major buy setup but that's the way i i'd structure a trade going into it and why i find that very helpful is now i've laid out for my own mind my uh hypothetical trade and so i have my rules i'm going to follow so you know i already know what i'm doing from a stop perspective and where i'm going to take action Right. So that was a thought exercise. That was not like where we're doing it. Right. And I like it. I think it's valuable as a thought exercise. If yeah. C- we wouldn't have complained so much to CNBC if they wouldn't have made us seem like, no, you got to take it. Yeah. It's bullshit. Yeah. They're idiots. Anyway, let's That's, that's an hour. Let's uh, wrap it up. We're going to yeah, people we're are watching from here. They're, they're, all my wildest dreams came true in this podcast. So <laughs> mine too. Even more so. Yeah. Right. What? It's fantastic. Oh, you what, Bob? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. What? It's not. It's not <laughs> just talking all right. about my ass. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Michael.